With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We had kind of a cool experience this weekend. I think it was unexpected for both of us. We had the live premiere on YouTube of an older episode of our TV show. So this is a feature on YouTube where you yeah, can yeah. premiere the show, but it's time-bombed. So mm-hmm. you can put it as far in advance as you like, yeah, and yeah. people know that the episode is coming. And so that's what we're doing with our TV episodes that have been on Amazon. They're still on Amazon, the but we're ones. going yeah, to yeah. be putting more of our older episodes on there. So that was the Lukewarm Hatches, mm-hmm. Hatches episode that we put up there. And it was pretty cool because we could interact with the audience mm-hmm. As they're seeing it for the first time. And as I've mentioned before, this was confirmed to me that the YouTube viewing audience is different than the Amazon viewing audience. True, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Many people was... know that we do both yes, now or, yes, yes. or are just aware of it, but they either don't have Amazon or mm-hmm. don't use YouTube or some sort of Vice combination. Yeah, yeah. And so it was actually new for a lot of people to the point where people were saying, well, how come you guys kind of missed out on the boat? These are like two-year-old cars. And we're going, yeah, we know. We, we know. <laughs> but, but here was the great thing about it is that once it releases – it releases in real time like a live stream, and the comments are like a live stream. So you're there having real-time commentary, which is really, really fun, actually. It was fun. It was and, and, and that was the part of it that surprised me because I thought, oh, I'll yeah. sit down and I'll see how this unfolds and all that. It was really cool to just be there and be able to respond in real time, and a lot of you watched it with us in real time. And then it, then it becomes a normal YouTube video. There's been comments. There's been view, viewership. I, that's been great. Yeah. But yeah. for the next, just so you know, for the next two Saturdays, we're doing this again. We're catching up on older episodes of – we want to get all of season two out, which is m- much older stuff. So the next two Saturdays, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. These are live yeah. premieres. I mean, the weird mix of words there, but live it's a live of premiere old on old content on YouTube. It's a very strange thing, but you now understand <laughs> what I mean. So yeah. you'll be able to watch it with us on Saturday mornings, which is very cool. We're doing those at uh, noon Eastern. That means 9 a.m. Pacific. It is time-bombed on YouTube. So this coming week, and I can realize, hi, I know it's only Tuesday. I'm aware. But this coming <laughs> Saturday will be, uh, what is the, oh, it's the rivalry one. It's the GT350R versus yep. the Camaro ZL1, which is a very cool piece. Very loud, lots of exhaust. We'd love to have you join us. Yes, honestly, very fast I was piece. I was genuinely surprised at how much fun it was to watch it like that. Although, you know, I maintain that older episodes are being seen on TV of any show. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it almost doesn't matter because these cars are now used and to a price point where people are genuinely shopping, using it for research, just like they've done before. The TV episodes are of definitely course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. a little bit more skewed towards entertainment, but still giving you the full experience of mm-hmm. the car and the information. Yeah. So now... I think it'll be really great. So that is season two, episode four, called Rivalry mm-hmm. with the GT350 and yeah, the ZL1. This Saturday. And it's uh, it's fast. There's some speed it's, in that it's one. A, it's a fast, loud, fun, summer driving piece. It's very, very cool. We look forward to that. Meanwhile, if you want to watch more recent episodes of TV, those are all on Amazon now. They're also all on Vimeo. You can get there from our website. It's probably the simplest way to get there. Just go to everydaydriver.com. You can go links from the homepage directly to either Amazon if you're US or UK or Vimeo if you're the rest of the world. Yes. And also a massive thanks to our season six sponsors, Covercraft as the presenting sponsor, Brio's Garage, Car Care, and Haggerty. Big thanks to Haggerty as well. So yes, you can find all those episodes on Amazon. And also, while you have navigated there and while you're there, yes, yes. Stopped and you've paused on everydaydriver.com, you can see right in the middle there's the adventures tab. <laughs> see where you're going. Yeah. Pilgrimage twenty twenty at this point, as of this recording, is happening. We are mm-hmm. planning on it happening. Mm-hmm. It is scheduled for August two to six, twenty twenty. Yep. We've got signups and all the information is on there. You're cordially invited. We'd love to have you. It is a bucket list trip, even though mm-hmm. we have had repeat customers. Yes, we repeat have. fans of the show coming yes. back because they love it so much. Because what else do you spend your money on? I, <laughs> I don't nothing. know. There's nothing. There's nothing. Not else your house. Money. Not anything. No. That's very funny. Yeah. Wear ratty t-shirts. I don't care. <laughs> you wear ratty ring t-shirts is what you do. You <laughs> come with us go. to the ring, you buy a t-shirt, that's all you wear come for on. a year, and then buy another one in a year. Wear old that. clothes, Terrible. eat old food, but come <laughs> on the ring trip with us. We do have four people signed up already, and this is an update for them and for you. We know that the world is weird right now and travel is weird right now. We are going to have definitive answers on whether or not we're doing this trip in May. Anybody that signs up now, honestly, anybody that signs up now through June is going to have full ability to do refunds. We are planning for that. Absolutely. We are going to have definitives from our hosts there in May. So at that point, we will know for sure if we're going. We believe we're going. Some of the the 
releases that are happening in Europe suggest we can go. But we are still at the mercy of things beyond our control. We'll keep you informed. But we're very, we want to go. We're very excited. Very exciting topic Tuesday coming your way. It is a question from Brandon C. in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. who asks about keeping up with technology yeah. in regards to the question of leasing versus owning. Mm. What is better? How, how does it? How do you stay update up to date with technology when you just decide? Well, I'd rather own and have it longer. I'd rather lease, yeah, pay yeah, more, yeah. and have it for yeah. less, and still be able to get updated on whatever new latest car tech is coming your way. And then we also have a cool debate from Evan, the future medical doctor, who, based <laughs> on his phone, he sent us his phone number and his email. I think you're possibly in New Mexico. And he's dedicating his life towards owning a dream car. This is a unique story. It is very We've never had somebody write to us with this kind of story before. We've had people write to us, some not really verifiable, as far as I have a really high budget. I'm looking for a very expensive car. Yeah. Some emails, I, I believe they're real. It's just hard to verify that. And mm-hmm. I don't concentrate on those quite as much because they're not as relatable. We can dream, we mm-hmm. dream about those all yeah, the time. Yeah. We dream about McLaren 720Ss already. I'm yeah, already sure. thinking about them. <laughs> constantly <laughs> but i can't attain that but, i'd love to we're all thinking that yeah. but this is actually more grounded in reality than you think evan in evan's case he's picked a ridiculously high figure car and we'll get there and he's thinking about how do i get there and how do i own this it, it's fascinating it really is look forward to, to having a discussion for sure we're longtime users and big believers in griot's garage car care products That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, you can now use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Starting off with the topic Tuesday, again from Brandon. He's out in Atlanta, Georgia, and he is curious what the real lease versus buy discussion entails when it comes to staying updated in mm. tech. Mm. And he writes to us, technology is a huge factor for him, but with Apple CarPlay, is there a need to update the technology every three to five years? Wouldn't CarPlay suffice for all of his needs, or is he missing something outside of the driverless technology or the unnecessary crazy features? Okay, okay. In his most recent vehicle, he found himself using CarPlay more than the other features like the virtual dashboard map or the touchpad. Sure, sure. He says, in fact, the Audi MMI was a waste of subscription at $600 for six months. Interesting. Very the digital interesting. gauges and data were the best part. So Brandon's situation here is that he walks to work. Okay. Most of his driving is running errands, groceries mainly. He works events in town, but also 20 to 30 minutes outside of town and visits Nashville bi-monthly or so. It's an easy three and a half hour drive for him. Okay. He's owned every car he's had up to this point in his life. Sure. He's sure. in his mid-30s. He's got a good job. He can afford a $600 a month lease payment or payment. More than that seems wasteful. <laughs> that's a good, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a good about. monthly payment. I totally get it. It's Very like, healthy. Love it. Yeah. He's had fun cars. He's had practical cars. Mm-hmm. But he loves having a vehicle. He gets tons of enjoyment driving in a nice, comfortable, spacious car. Okay. All right. He says this is an escape where he listens to music, audiobooks, he takes personal calls or work calls, and he separates himself from his computer and the email that consumes most of his day. Okay. So it's a respite. I love it. It is. Doesn't need speed, doesn't need flash, subtle exterior, interior, and what's inside is more important to him. But he says, what is the question of needing the tech update, Mm -hmm. looking Mm -hmm. at 2024, looking at the future, What's the balance? What, how should he approach tech and cars? Interesting. Almost irrelevant if we suggest something or not. It's not even really about us suggesting a car. I agree. It's just about talking and unpacking this reality. We've talked about this a little bit back and forth. First off, you've heard us rage and many others rage about the excessive phone use behind the wheel. 
Mm. Anything that gets you off your phone behind the wheel, we are all for. Now, there are studies and discussions, and I, and I get this, that even say we shouldn't even be taking phone calls and having conversations in our cars because that's distracting. While I agree with that, and I know at, at the most fundamental level, yes, if I'm on the phone or I'm talking to my passenger, it's, it's, I'm paying a little bit less attention than if I were doing nothing but sitting in silence and looking at the road. I agree with that, but that, that's not going to happen. But there is, honestly, you talk about it all the time, Paul, that you can tell when someone's on their phone while driving because of the way their car operates. I can watch their front tires. Totally. The way that they move in the lane or move out of the lane in many cases. So that is a problem. We love Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. We love it. And anytime we get a press car and we can plug our phones into that, it's the first thing I do. I mean, literally, like sitting in the driveway, I do it instantly because I really, really like the feature. What's interesting about both of those, I remember when they were first announced a few years ago, what's interesting about both of those is it solves manufacturers' largest problem since the smartphone was invented. Mm. And that is, with the exception of Tesla, who, let's be honest, is a tech company first and a car company second. Indeed. With the exception of Tesla, auto manufacturers are making a car that is going to be a moment-in-time car that's going to come out and be essentially the same for the next five years. Most people will trade their computer in the lifespan of that car, let alone multiple versions of their phone. Most people. It's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So it's impossible. If you think about also the life cycle of a car, that car that they started selling today was being designed five years ago. Yeah. So now we're talking about the better part of a 10 year swath of being frozen pause button in tech in your car. Just crazy. And when you think about how fast your phone and your computer get traded out, it's going to seem like Atari. Yeah, And so Apple CarPlay and Android Auto have done a masterful job of sidestepping that problem because you keep updating your phone and your phone iOS. So then shouldn't your uh, your car just work like you expect tech-wise? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it should. Interesting to note here, after diving into this, Brandon, you, you really got me thinking. Most writers predict that car tech will increasingly follow smartphone tech as we're talking about, simply because it's now the bellwether of the tech industry. Mm -hmm. Apple bases most of its Wall Street quarterly reporting based on projected iPhone sales. That is the bellwether of most of their reporting. And the Internet thinks most car technology will come in the form of lighting or the powertrain, hybrid or electric or more fuel efficient, whatever that is, sensors that track drivers' vital statistics or data sharing between cars, various safety upgrades, driver assist features, or autonomy itself. I think those are all the things that you don't care about either. I agree with that. Yeah, That's all the like it. Sounds like it's not tertiary yeah. at best yeah, on your sure. list stuff to worry about in new cars. Now, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, has become a show that has included more technologies in the past decade or so, I think, for car manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a show to carefully, carefully follow in terms of seeing what's coming and kind of weighing that. That was where I believe it was BMW or Audi introduced the laser lighting tech, and it was first only yeah, available yeah, in Europe, yeah, yeah. and then now we can get it you know, in the U.S. Now, regarding the driving dynamics, first of all, if you've got CarPlay or Android Auto, those are not going away anytime soon. If you've ever jumped in a car without plugging your phone in and started to try to navigate the menu, you think, well... What is this? Yeah, Atari from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, let me plug my phone in, and the car comes to life. And, and you know how to do things quickly. Yes. Yes. All of a sudden, because you're used to that interface. You're, totally. You know how it works. But that is completely irrespective of how the car drives. Absolutely. You could not plug your phone in, the car will drive the same way. Excellent point. Right? Never discussed in TV commercials, by the way, but excellent point. Yes. So do you need more than that? And that's your mm-hmm. question. But... Clearly, driving dynamics are most important to you. That's what I'm hearing. Because all the other things that I named, I don't think you really care. That's what's coming at us Mm -hmm. as far as technology and a lot of safety and driver assist features are coming our way. Like I said, data sharing and then driver vitals are going to be part of that. The seats are going to do more than you ever thought possible. They're going to weigh 500 pounds each. They are. It's going to be great. (laughs) Now, in theory, you can drive your car forever. This is theory only because of the continued availability or scarcity of parts that can go on for a long time. But for the most part, you want something new because of a new feature or more power or a different style. Okay. Features, power, style. Yeah. We could keep our cars. They'd be just fine, but Mm -hmm. we get bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's again, why you change the painting on your wall. That's why you're listening to this show because you get bored. Well, absolutely. (laughs) Now I think in terms of windshields, 
This is my personal okay. standard. All right. Okay. A listener and fan of the show of ours, Hal B., he has a Fiat X19. Yes, he does. And he Facebook messaged me and said he needed to replace the windshield. And it took him a lot of searching. And I think he bought a backup windshield, too, for a Fiat X19. Wow. How difficult will it be to get a windshield for your car decades from now? Especially if it has all the sensors in it. Yes. Yeah, great point. This great is what point. I think of in terms of, okay, car parts. Like I said, the 928 uses Ford F-150 engine mounts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't from the factory. But but they work, yeah. They work. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, well, that's a hack I could have known before I sold the car. Yeah, yeah, I would have yeah. kept the car because it needed $2,000 worth of engine mounts, and I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So I sold the car, and I wished I had used F-150 engine mounts. There you go. So coming back, Brandon, to your proclivities, and that is, is the experience of something new more important to you than the driving dynamics? Mm. I say no, because a Lotus Europa is very lightweight and very low to the ground and has great steering feel, and it's got an AM radio and vinyl seats. <laughs> yes, true. And it might run, and you might be able to find parts for it, and maybe if you're lucky, a windshield. I have a Bluetooth stereo in my Lotus Elise, and it's <laughs> mostly irrelevant. I still put in headphones. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You, I rarely use the stereo. The Cayman radio, the stereo system, is terrible. <laughs> it didn't come with nav. The owner did not option it with nav, and yeah. it's ridiculously terrible. I never listen to it. I never plug my phone into it. It does Funny. have Bluetooth so I can connect my phone and it's only to take calls. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. only reason it exists. That's the rest funny. of the time I'm listening to the engine. Yeah. But what I'm hearing, Brandon, is more of the balance for you leaning towards driving dynamics and you're fine with Apple CarPlay and it's going to continue to be updated because that's mm-hmm. an easy firmware update. Yes, it is. That's very easy. And whatever phone you buy that continued to, you know, again, Android, mm-hmm. Apple, whatever that is, that will theoretically continue to work and connect just fine. And keep the center console seemingly modern. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Have you noticed that most car companies now have figured out that we don't need as big of a screen as we thought? We could reduce the screen and some kind, kind of make a better cases, looking interior. In some cases. There's yeah. other car companies that have discovered screens. Yes. <laughs> How big is Tesla's? We should do one at least that big. And Ford looked at that and went, you know what that? We need to one-up Tesla in our Mach-E and make an even bigger screen well, we just, and, and scoot it up higher so it's more blocking the road. We just had the, the Highlander yeah. hybrid as a press car. We've got a, a fast blast of that coming up soon. And even though it's not all screen, they have a shield on the center console <laughs> that, that encompasses both the screen and it's also the HVAC. It's this shield shape that is every bit as big or bigger than the steering wheel that is just to the right of the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Now, to their credit, thank you, Toyota. You've done all the HVAC controls, the heating, the cooling, and the seats, and the fans, and everything. All of those are buttons and knobs. <laughs> Todd's very but happy. the screen above that is still huge, but the whole thing is surrounded by this shield of, look at me! Shiny piano black plastic, yes. It's, it's very interesting, Brandon, because you're talking about something that I don't think has happened in car tech prior. Mm. Because... CarTech kept trying to do their new thing, and you could get it. I mean, Audi is doing it still currently. You're talking about the MMI setting. You're talking about all digital screens. There isn't, isn't a gauge anywhere in the thing, okay? And you can constantly mm-hmm. update it. And, and we've been talking about that for a while. CarTech is constantly moving. But because of our phones with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, you now have a situation where CarTech could freeze the car manufacturers could not actually worry about it, and it would still seem up-to-date and usable to us because it works like our phone. That's never happened in car history. They were always trying to make, oh, look, this car has a record player. This car has an 8-track. They're always trying to, what's mm-hmm. the new tech mm-hmm. to interact with? Now, honestly, a manufacturer could, they're not going to, could stop. They could do traditional gauges in front of you. And they could have an interface that gives you a screen that is big enough to use for Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And they could stop there. Because apps are apps are apps. They'll just be updated and they'll still work. So you're right. right. You could buy a car or lease a car, Brandon, and it would still feel new because of those features. And I I will say a couple things to you. You could buy an old car, an old car, and put a Apple CarPlay capable stereo in it. You could. Porsche just released a thing this week where they were talking about they've got new stereos for all their old back catalog that look and fit in the DIN, the actual place in the dash. They're really expensive. Of course they are because they've got Porsche on them. But yes, I'd, I'd take but, that. But there they are. They, yeah. You've got Apple CarPlay. It shows it on the picture. Now, you can do other you know, non-Porsche branded things that do sure. the same thing. Sure. They are more expensive than I bought a simple cheap stereo, obviously. But when you talk about, I would like to keep this car indefinitely, but I want latest tech in it. 
That's an easy swap too. The place this is a problem because you're asking about, am I future proofing myself enough is kind of what you're asking Mm. here too. Only if Apple CarPlay has major updates that allow new things. And I'll give you one example. When we were first driving cars with Apple CarPlay, we, like most, use Google Maps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the original version of Apple CarPlay wouldn't recognize Google Maps. It would only recognize the Apple Map feature. Right. So Google Maps, which everybody was using, wouldn't be used. Since That was companies in Silicon Valley not playing nicely together. Exactly. Since then, it's been updated. And now you can use Google Maps and Waze... For most Apple CarPlay. But if you get an older one, you're going to plug your phone in and it's going to go, what is this Google Maps thing? I don't even recognize Sure, sure. If there's a major watershed thing that your phone now does, that's when you could feel like you've gotten old tech. Because if your phone's now doing something that the Apple CarPlay or Android Auto doesn't recognize, now you're going to feel like you're old school. Mm -hmm. But unless those things happen again, and I feel like that map thing was a watershed moment. Yeah, once those that happened, I feel like most things that most people use, you plug in your phone, you go, oh, phone screen in the car, and you're good. I think you are in a rare, possibly future-proof moment for the next four or five years if the car tech keeps talking to the phone tech because the phone tech's the thing that's going to get updated. Yes. What you're talking about is less of a feature upgrade and more an admission of guilt on Apple's part. <laughs> that's what it amounts to. Everybody does use that map feature, don't they? <laughs> oh, our maps are not as good. Everybody uses Google Maps, huh? All right, we'll give you Google Maps. Fine. Here it is. Keep buying our phones. <laughs> there is, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. There is a bit of a caveat when we talk about upgrades, and we're in the sweet spot of time for upgrading stereos, and you will still be able to put different stereos in like Todd was talking about Porsche or you can upgrade whatever that is. But as car manufacturers increasingly go to screens like the Highlander you were talking about, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Interesting point. Yes. Even though there are a row of buttons, Mm -hmm. that's not all the features for the car and it's heavily integrated to all the features of the car. Yes. So anything having to do with sport mode, the FCA U connect is a really good example. You're not going to tear that out and replace it with something because Aside from Sirius XM radio and Apple CarPlay and Maps, by the way, that is the menu interaction to turn on all the the sport modes and interact yeah. with the car's electronics. Totally, it's it's the brain. Much like my my as weird as it sounds, much like my Phaeton, there is yes. no aftermarket stereo available for the Phaeton because it is the brain of the car. Right. So you right. go to the Uconnect, which has got what that like eleven or twelve inch screen. I don't even know what else you'd put in there. It's really good. It's it, actually and, really and, good. And theirs is one of the best, yeah. genuinely. Yeah. But you're right, even still there where you want to plug into Apple CarPlay and use that, but yeah, there isn't a take this out of the dash and put in a put finish the sentence. Nothing. Right. Not with Highlander, not with the way the physical components are designed, mm-hmm. because it's yeah. integrated as part of the instrument panel. And now we're seeing screens, which means it's all firmware and software updates. I'm wondering about those prior versions, those prior cars that didn't recognize Google Maps. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that is an easy firmware upgrade. Maybe it is, but maybe the car manufacturer doesn't even offer it. It'd be interesting. to. I mean, I'm sure it's a car-by-car basis. Theoretically, yes, you could update those versions, but it's theoretical and it's probably car-by-car. So I think we're in a sweet spot of being able to upgrade the old cars, but as we move forward and there's more integration mm-hmm. of screens only, regardless of there's buttons yeah, yeah. for some features, yeah. the integration is still heavy enough and beyond the point of return mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we have to plug our phones in. Yeah. So therefore, it's okay I'm just wondering about stereo manufacturers. Their market is only going to be looking backwards, not forwards. Interesting point. You bring up an interest. I hadn't thought about that. There isn't a pop this out of the dash and replace it with anymore. Everybody's not for the Highlander, not for the Teslas. It's going to be really difficult to replace. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, and it is is interesting. I have discovered it, and it's so crazy to say, I've discovered it for the first time in my 16 year old Phaeton. (laughs) <laughs> where literally I've been on Crutchfield and other places just for fun. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, there are no products listed for this car Amazing. because you can't replace it. Amazing. And the closest you can go, here's the closest you can go. You can take out the six disc changer, which yes, in mine, of course is broken. A six disc. You what? Take out, you can take out the six <laughs> disc CD changer and you can plug in CDs. Is that new? Isn't that weird? You can plug in an adapter that allows you to get Bluetooth coming into that pipe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am terrified to do that because anytime I touch any button, except for the first week I owned it when my son played with all the buttons, anytime I touch any button that relates to the CD changer of the car, the entire head unit is now frozen. Oh, until that I didn't button, know that. Until that button pops back out. 
The oh, buttons get stuck. So you no. press one in, and now you can't get the entire screen to do anything. Because of the gooey soft touch wedge paint. Wedge that button to come bring the button back out. And then it clears and lets you do other things. Awesome. So I don't want to bother that changer. <laughs> don't touch the button. Exactly. So I am low-tech now. I have a Bluetooth adapter that sends a signal to the FM receiver. Oh, my gosh. This is back in like the old school days, and I'm back to that to get my phone onto the car. I mean, this is absurd, but, it, but it's an example of what you're talking about. You, at some point, you can't replace it. Let's just hope that the CarPlay is good enough that you're future-proofed. Right. So, therefore, Brandon, if that's good enough and techy enough for your future car purchases or staying with what you've got, then that's your answer. With the, the minor hiccups of... All right, the phone has a new feature that CarPlay doesn't recognize. Yes. These new Android yes. phones do things that the the uh, Android Auto doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to have to live with that. I can't get that feature. Maybe the car manufacturer might consider a firmware upgrade, and maybe it's something downloadable and I can do myself, or maybe it's just a recall thing that I can yeah, take to the dealer for free. If that's enough for you, then that's the answer to your question. Going beyond that... We're past the point of no return. Mm, We're mm. not going to see less integration into a screen anymore. You're right. You're Remember right. the Panamera? Yeah. We had to dig through four submenus just to get the wing to deploy? Yes. That yes. is not coming out of the car. That is staying with yeah. the car well, forever. But, and this is the updated Porsche interior. And Porsche seems to kind of lead their interiors at the Panamera. But that is the updated Porsche interior that is now the uh, black waterfall of screens. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. in front of you is a vertical screen, even to the side of the passenger. And then you've got all piano black buttons in the center console. And I... So many people complained about the sea of buttons that was the prior version of the Panamera and the Cayenne uh, and everything. Todd's I happy. Loved, I loved it. And then they went to all piano black screens. Yeah. And I, 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 know, I know I'm a crazy person. I know I am. I wanted to walk around the LA Auto Show and turn all the cars off. <laughs> because they were all on and the screens were illuminating and they're doing fireworks and stuff. And it's like, ooh, it's like, turn it off and tell me how nasty that looks. Yeah, yeah. This is a $150 plus thousand dollar car that looks like kids were in here after eating peanut butter. It's all bad. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, rant over. Yeah. So if that's enough for you, then that, that tells you your answer. And therefore, the driving dynamics of the car never changed. The 70s Porsches, the 70s Lotai and Ferraris, they still drive great, but they kind of reek of oil and they're... Door hinges creak, and you know you could probably replace the head unit, but you know that's uh, obviously a personal choice at that point. One of my favorite things, and I'm not, I'm not a hot rodder, but one of my favorite things about modern tech in classic muscle cars is there's a company that's done it for lots of cars, but the company there's a company that makes the front of your head unit looks like the stock head unit from the '60s. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. behind that, all the tech is Bluetooth. So you have a car that looks perfectly classic. It doesn't look like you have a weird touch screen in the middle of your 1950s thing. But yeah, you can sit into it. You can Bluetooth your phone to it, and off you go. That's, that's pretty cool. like that. And of any feature, it should be Bluetooth as the number one feature. That should be the baseline feature for sure. Yeah, yeah. Evan's writing to us with a crazy I have a dream car discussion. And I don't think – you said it before at the top of the podcast. I don't think we've ever had anybody write in with this. This stuck out. Now, he's going to medical school. He's going to be an MD. He's going to have some disposable income to buy a car, but not I have oil money kind of car. Kind of car okay? <laughs> I've, However, I've land. He, has those kind, oil. he has those kind of tastes. Yeah. Because what he wants – I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert it. What he wants – what he wants to be is a guy that owns a Ferrari F40. Wow. Evan is 31. He does not have a wife or kids. And quite honestly, he doesn't want to settle down or have any. He's starting medical school soon. And beyond helping society, he has been flirting with this, mm, setting this more selfish goal of owning a Ferrari F40. Okay. <laughs> As of this recording, the Ferrari F40 is at least 30 years old. Yes. And the cheapest one in the country as of this recording is $1.4 million. <clears throat> These and are not inexpensive. going to go up. Evan says he's a humble person. He does not care about most fancy things. He loves working on his own stuff, driving cars and riding motorcycles. He tries every excuse to justify spending huge money on a car. And he says he could resell it later as a retirement mm -hmm. project or use it for charity events or whatever. Sure. But he says it boils down to a few facts. The F40 is always a stunning shape to his eye. 
Yes. He, he, thinks it, he thinks it's in a class by itself. He says, take everything else in the Ferrari portfolio, can't touch it in Evan's mind. This is, this is beyond the poster on the wall car. This is the icon of icons for him. And so yeah. he's just saying, this is the grand exception to every kind of rational rule I can think up. The grand exception is, yeah, but just F40. I should just own an F40. F40. I mean, <laughs> it is a holy grail kind of a car. A- absolutely. They're stunning absolutely to look at. They're different. That integrated yes. wing. They still, the way the clamshells open, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're still amazing. Well, he says he plans on buying it to drive it. Okay. And there are so few that people who could pursue experiencing F40, does that make it worthy of a life's pursuit? I mean, this is like a like a life goal kind of thing. I'd like an F40. Wow. This is craziness. We've never had a, a write-in like this. I think it's great. He currently owns a 2001 Toyota Tundra as the workhorse truck. He okay. also has a Honda Africa Twin for off-road camping and adventures and commuting mm-hmm. and a manual transmission Hellcat Challenger, currently with 73,000 miles as a daily and autocross car. That's a big autocross car. That's a <laughs> but how awesome a Hellcat with seventy three thousand miles. That's such good news. That I means agree. they're running. That that means that yeah. That means they're going to be cheap soon, everyone. And he's beating on it. Yay! So as an autocross Hellcats car, which is everybody. crazy. Yeah, I love it. His dream performance car garage, as of right now, is the future Hellcat powered Ram TRX. <laughs> Hellcat and everything. This is really this is the Dodge way. <laughs> wow. But yeah, keeping the Hellcat he currently owns a nine nine one point two GT three manual. And the aforementioned Ferrari F40. Mm-hmm. But he says, I could also just be happy with a 98 Corolla and the Ferrari F40. It's really, it's, that's the thing. The F40 <laughs> is in such class by himself. He's not saying, I'm looking for a garage. He's saying, I'm looking for this car. Amazing. Which is craziness. I'm fascinated by this, Evan. I love the kernel, the core of this idea, which is that car, above all others, I want to chase it. I like it. I also want to talk both sides of it. Pros and cons here quite a bit. Evan, uh, this is almost more of a therapy session and a sociological experiment (laughs) than anything else. It is for sure. This is not car buying at all. This is a different class. But that's why I wanted to cover it because this is so far out of what we usually talk about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's exciting and different. I love that your selflessness comes in the form of you wanting to be a medical doctor. I absolutely love it. We actually have a ha- more than a handful, as a matter of fact, of medical doctors and medical professionals who watch the show and listen to the podcast. I, on the other hand, get faint-hearted and dizzy at the tiniest drop of blood. <clears throat> so thank you for your pursuits. To, to the point where Paul's like, you're not bleeding, are you? He hasn't even seen anything yet. He's like, you're not bleeding, Honestly, are you? Honestly, yeah. don't tell me your nasty story of how you broke your whatever or the surgical pursuit. I will hit the ground passed out. <laughs> It's, it's happened before, as a matter of fact. My son has I come up. hit the ground. And said, Uncle Paul, I heard myself the other day. He's like, stop, 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 stop. I don't want to hear that. Do not tell me. So now my son's trained. He's like, that, that story, that thing little kids Mm-mm. want to do, they want to tell you about how they injured themselves and now they're okay. And I, Those stories are not okay. I hate to not let him tell his story I because I want him to get his story out. Yes. But not that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's classic. And my sister's it's a nurse. Yeah. And so she'll call me and be like, hey, let me tell you the cool new thing. Or I'm like, no, no, nope, no, 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 no. No, all bad. Tell me about. Your husband's day or the kids or whatever. Tell me about anybody <laughs> a else. different topic. Evan, we need doctors and nurses. We need medical professionals. So yes. thank you yes, it's a huge. million times. Now, wasn't this similar concept actually explored a little bit in a movie from years ago starring Nicolas Cage? Wasn't this where he's, a, he's like a stockbroker or something and he has a Ferrari and then the other half of his life... If he if he had done something you're, different, you're that he, quoting Nicolas Cage movies. That he could have I'm, had a I'm astonished family. By this. Yes, there was such a movie. We'll uh, you'll tell me in just a minute. minute. Yes, I will. So here's the big question, Evan. <clears throat> have you driven one yet? Uh, that is the question. Have you driven an F40 yep. yet? Yep. I hear first gear you can take up to 70 miles an hour. It's tall. <laughs> I think second gear is like 130. Well, but it's also it's also 1980s turbo technology. So it's like wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, boom! (laughs) Rocket ship. Yeah, for sure. Evan, I want to give yourself, I want you to give yourself permission for your mind and your taste to change. I agree. I do agree with that. We can't give you that permission. Nobody listening can give you that permission. Mm -hmm. You're the only one. Let's say you buy the F40 and you keep making enough money to start having a nice house and a good vacation yearly and nice things that catch your interest and suddenly you're into photography and you buy a you know, a Hasselblad camera or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
but now you can afford some other supercar that caught your eye. That 991 notwithstanding. We're talking about the 98 Corolla and the F40. Okay? Sure. The, 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 the two-car garage and one of them is an icon monster. Yeah. yeah but yeah. now you've got enough money to afford a, another one. That 991 is sitting there and maybe another one comes along. Is that F40 now second place? Is it now third place? Because you told tough. us yeah. you're going to drive the car. And if you have this car, you must drive that car because – most of the F40s I can find online have about 3,000 miles on them. That, that quote-unquote cheapest one around at 1.4 million, 7,000 miles. You're kidding me. 7,000 miles, which is nothing. And it's been serviced like it has 130,000 miles that on that it. that is the case, yes. You must drive the car. You also must park the car. Mm. Are you comfortable going to a game at a concert hall or going out to dinner downtown somewhere or go into a stadium and you're parked like three blocks away in a semi-sketchy parking lot <laughs> are you comfortable leave, leave my f40 you know where it yeah. says 15 dollars park here cash only yeah, yeah. are you comfortable parking in that lot <laughs> it's just a question well but you and i argue preciousness a lot yes we do and and this is what evan, i'm touching on. if evan takes this and pools his money over years to buy this car how much preciousness is going to be there and i think Almost a crippling amount. Well, that's why I ask if you're comfortable parking right next to SUVs and minivans mm-hmm. and pickup trucks who, you know, when they, you know, get out of their giant pickup truck and the retractable steps come down, <laughs> they really don't care where the door edge goes. I, I'm getting in the truck so now. Right. Don't yeah. care what it hits. Yeah. I'm leaving now. Or does driving the car, when you say you're going to drive the car, does that only entail driving where you go for a drive or you take mm. it to a car show where there's okay. safety? Yeah, to some degree, yeah. And you come right back home. Possibly, yeah. By the way, you have to take it to Radwood if you get this car. Oh, yeah. You have to go win Radwood all over the country. Like, just, like, like travel around the country just win winning them all. Radwood. I'm yeah. coming. Yeah, here I am again, yeah. So what's your hedge against maintenance mm. and damage and accidents? However... You say preciousness, but if you're we're at this level, it seems like every high-end Ferrari and collector Ferrari is immune to being destroyed. Mm. Immune. And I say that okay. without hesitation because one time we were at Pebble Beach. We went to the Laguna Seca races, the historic races. Yes. Guy had a 1958, 58, the, the technical details are a little fuzzy, but... Somebody had a 58 Testarossa. Yes. A car worth in the range of 30 or so million. Mm-hmm. He went off the track at the top of the corkscrew, and the announcer said, wow, that's about an $8 million wreck. But that's okay, because the car's worth like 30, so he's going to get it fixed. Yeah. And the crowd went, uh, Yeah, that's, okay. a, that's a world the rest of us are not living in. Yeah, I hear you. Enzos get destroyed. We know of at least two Enzos that have gotten destroyed into shards uh-huh. and have been rebuilt at the factory. Yes. Yes, one of them is Utah-based. In fact. Uh-huh. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we've met the man, as a matter of fact, who drove it at high speed and lost control. And he's and scattered it across the desert and survived. Yes. The car got rebuilt. It got rebuilt to a land speed record car, and then it got rebuilt back to original <laughs> back to specifications by Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, that is a thing. All the old cars don't disappear. They get restored. Mm-hmm. So the car's not going to go away. The F40, if it gets destroyed, short of burning down, but maybe if you know three quarters of it burns, we can still resurrect some of the chassis and uh, an rebuild point. it. Interesting point, yeah. So I'm not worried about the car getting rebuilt. It, it's nothing money and time can't solve. Got a Ferrari factory, just ship it back there, rebuild the car. <laughs> because they do. <laughs> because they do, you're right. So I ask about your hedge. Is it just paying for the car, or are you budgeting some amount every year? Because it's only going to get more difficult to maintain the car as it gets older and you pile on the miles. And these are only going to be more expensive to buy. If you don't buy one now and buy one for uh-huh. 10 years, what are they costing then? They're going to only go up in value. Yes. And if it gets damaged, it's not going away. It's just going to get rebuilt. And well, it'll be fine. Interesting side note on this point exactly. The McLaren F1, another one of these monster icons. Oh. Now they are finding there's there's like there was a story, a couple of stories about this guy that travels around with like the computer that can hack into these things. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple, you know, master techs in the world for these cars. Yeah. Okay. But what's happened is they are so expensive, so rare, and worth so much that now owners are starting to drive them. 
<laughs> they didn't for a long time. And now yeah. people that own them now are starting to drive them because what they realize is they've reached a place of kind of like the Testarossa story you told. They've reached a place where they're worth so much that more miles doesn't matter. Mileage, They're still damage, worth a ton. Irrelevant. The interesting, I think the F40 is in that camp. That's fascinating. It's going that direction. So theoretically, your maintenance budget, Evan, should increase every passing year. Oh, man. And by the way, it's going to eat tires like kids eat Halloween candy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Now, there's a perception. As a doctor, at what level do you care how others perceive you without them getting to know you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is it, I don't care, I really don't care, or people suck? <laughs> like, what level are you? You know? You know what I mean? I don't think you're in that category yeah. because you're going to develop a lot of relationships with your patients. Yeah. And, and you're a humble guy. And all of these things. Yeah, yeah, for you're sure. You're a humble yeah. guy. So perception is something, uh, that's a question only you can answer. What if you fall in love? Mm-hmm. There's definitely no indicator that you have to sell the car. That is not a prerequisite. It's just, I'm saying your priorities might change. Uh, likely will, yes. Are you open for that to happen? Because if you own an F40, you're going to have to beat love back with a baseball bat. Well, I don't know that love's love going to come is, find I, you. I, I don't know that love is what's finding you, but <laughs> you will you will meet people. Let's put it that uh-huh. way. But if you do fall in love with one of them, there is a discussion about the worth of the car versus the worth of the relationship. There will have to be a balancing act mm-hmm. there, my friend, for sure. Todd and I have some friends here in Park City who don't have kids. They're married and they do enjoy the finer things in life. They actually used to do skeleton together. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And they used to do skeleton at a competitive level like Olympic on the Olympic level, yeah. bobsled course yes, right yes. here in Park City. For those of you who don't know skeleton, it's luge, but you decided to go head first. Uh-huh. That's what skeleton is. Yeah. Yes. Now, they have an extensive whiskey collection. They are into whiskey. As a matter of fact, a lot of what I've learned about whiskey, I've learned from them. I've, I learned about Brooklady Distillery and the jet fuel that is Octomore, by the way. Now... <laughs> <laughs> they're into whiskey so much they're bidding online at a high level. They're on the phone to whiskey auctions worldwide, and some of them they've actually won, which means they're spending money. This is their equivalent of the F40, although not at the same level. I'm silent because I'm jaw dropped. By the way, they throw are, really good Christmas parties. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have, for for those that would like to drink whiskey, they're, yes. they're so in, they're such interesting people. She's into cosplay. She actually showed me a picture. She met Michael Rooker, the actor who plays Yondu in mm-hmm. Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy, the blue yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, the blue with guy. the mohawk, the red mohawk on with his the, head, right? With the whistles for his arrow. Yes, yeah, that guy. She met Michael. She's done cosplay. She's really good at making her costumes and all this stuff. They're so interesting. They have all these varied interests and tastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they can pursue them with the single kids, no income kind of thing. They pursue them and they. Yeah. They blast money at everything, every interest they're into. That's their equivalent of the F40. Yours is going to be the F40. What if your priorities change or need to change? Great question. So all these are things that need to be carefully thought about if you haven't already. And start stocking up on Ferrari F40 windshields if you haven't already, by the way. Interesting point. Well, what I wonder about is that back glass, which I think is a plexi of some kind. It's plexi, yeah. But back glass has got all. I mean, what happens if that gets cracked? Who yep. makes those you call other than Ferrari? Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Evan, there's so much to unpack here, and it is a whole psychological experiment we're doing here. But <laughs> I, I want to say a few things. First off, $1.5 million. Start there. $1.5 million. <laughs> wow. That buys a lot of cars. It buys a lot of car experience. I don't read your email and get the impression that you have a lot of varied car experience. Now, that is not me saying he's got some. You, he's got a Hellcat, too, yes. so he's gone fast. And he's gone out of crossing and off-road. Yeah. I, I get yeah, it. Yeah. But I, I don't get the sense that you've driven a lot of sports cars. Now, I'm not saying that's a reason to not get an F40. I think we'd all, everyone listening, would happily take an F40. Give me an F40, please. Yes. And this is one of those cars. I mean, we recently drove, I mean, last year, last summer, we drove the Porsche 959. This, These two cars are very equivalent in my mind. Sure. They are... Wallet consuming to buy and to own and to maintain, yeah. and yet will probably never lose a dollar of their value. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So they are pinnacles of their time. They are both monsters. They are both old school turbos, which means nothing, nothing, nothing. Boom. Okay. <laughs> Boom, and you're gone. Seriously. So I mean, all of that is fascinating. I've not driven the F40. I'm not going to claim that I know how it drives. I've driven some Ferraris of that era, but this is the F40. This is the pinnacle. This is okay. the car. But. What I'm concerned about is the the preciousness factor of this. If you actually can't afford it, I agree. You want to drive it, but are you going to drive it? And all the questions Paul already asked yeah. about parking it and leaving it, you're going to need to solve two things right away if you're really going to do this. You're going to need to solve 
How am I going to insure it? Probably call our friends at Haggerty. But how am definitely, I gonna definitely it? call Haggerty. How am I going to store it? Where is it going to go? Is it going to go in my just my normal garage, or am I going to store it somewhere else? And it can't be in one of those plastic air-conditioned bubble things. And then who, not how, who is going to maintain it? Because I don't see you in your garage maintaining your F40. Maybe. It's going to be the local dealer. It's going to be the Ferrari dealer. But but honestly, can they even handle it? Because this is an F40 now. This is a 30-year-old car that was finicky at its time. Who's the tech in your local area that knows how to maintain an F40? Well, you're, you're touching on a problem because in theory, it should be the Ferrari dealer. But you don't know how old the techs are. They might not have been born when this car was... That's irrelevant. People can learn. Of course. But they might not have had the training or gone through the training because we don't sell those cars anymore and they just sit in people's garages. So why would we need And they've never seen one. Yeah. Why would we need to learn that? They've never actually seen one in the shop. We're servicing Californias because that's what are coming in for oil changes all the time. So who's going to maintain this thing? Where are you going to store it? How are you going to insure it? I think those are three things you have to really take a serious look at. And then that does bring up the reality of, would you really drive it a lot? I I would love nothing more, Evan than for you to buy this car and to drive it all the time. I think that's amazing. But, that's I, but let, me, amazing thought. Let, me, let me pull it down to earth here real quick. I think owning a car you have lusted after for longer than you can remember is a phenomenal life experience. And I say it, owning a Lotus Elise. Now, granted, yeah. Yeah. this is a fraction of the money we're talking about. But from the moment they came out, they were way out of my budget. And the fact that I actually own one now still amazes me. I drove my son somewhere this morning, and we were... Five minutes into the drive, and he goes, I love this car, and I have missed it all winter. Mm. And I was like, I hear you, bud. <laughs> Let's go. We, we legitimately awesome. took the long way for an errand. It took twice as long to get so there. Cool. Like, We're in the Lotus, okay? It's not an expensive car. <laughs> the milk spoiled, but man, that was a good drive. Seriously, I, I, It's not an expensive car, but I get looked at like I'm in a spaceship, which is not the reason I own it. But I love driving it, and I still cannot believe that I own this car. That life experience I want for you, Evan, but you're talking about million and a half yeah so and it looks a million and a half too. they're awesome they're it fantastic amazing. they're fantastic what i really want you to do is figure out in the next few years that doesn't mean take the f40 plan away but in the next few years i would like you to figure out how many things you can get yourself to drive how many different exotic semi-exotic sports cars that are cheap drive an 86 drive a miata drive Whatever Ferrari you can get yourself into, drive the new Corvette, drive a lot of things, as many things as you can, because all of that is going to educate you toward where is this F40 in the pantheon of cars. I want you to pull all the posters off the wall and see how many of those cars you can drive. Mm. Okay? Because mm. think about the fact that you could go buy a 720 right now and have more than a million dollars left over on your $1.5 million F40 budget. You went and bought a 720. That's a lot of car. That's a lot of car. Okay. I also think, what about this? What about the mid-grade? My point is, what about buying a Ferrari from that era that's known to be good? They're all expensive to maintain. Have that experience sooner rather than later. Hmm. Like a 355. Why, don't, why doesn't the world buy the Ferrari 355? Because of engine out service. Oh, that, yes. But you can get them for under 100 grand. With the nice gated shifter and a lot of what Ferrari was doing at the time of the F40, but you spent not even a tenth. Those are so terribly tempting, but then they have the the engine out maintenance. And get the life experience. So what about buying some stuff like that to give yourself some some driver experience, some ownership experience to see if you really want to go as far as F40? You can go up from there and 488. Delightful. Okay. Now you've left gated manual. Yeah, but yeah. I just I want life experience for you because I'm worried about this being an icon that wipes everything else off the table. And I know that's where it is in your head, but that's so much money and it's only getting more expensive that I'm thinking, let's get you. It's not even really it's not driver homework, it's not shopping homework, because I'm not saying buy all these cars. But what opportunities can you get to drive a lot of other things so it kind of calibrates your F40 because it's going to be a beast to buy to own, to drive, to maintain. It's going to be <laughs> hardcore in all of those areas. And I love the idea of you driving that car to work and parking at the hospital. It's one of my favorite images ever. But <laughs> People will know if you're at work. Yes, exactly. But it, it may be such a, a singular thing to get there that you might not enjoy it as much as you think once you're there. And that's my big concern. It is. It, it's psychology today. It's crazy. It is. Evan, I'm so 50-50. I'm so 50% of yes. How awesome. And I'm so 50% of caution. Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah. Don't. 
do it. Replacing the it's whatever tough. on an it's F40 very that has 30,000. Has anybody ever seen an F40 with like 50, 60, 70, 100,000 miles? Do they exist? I have 67,000 miles in my Lotus, and it is one of the higher mile Lotuses in the world. Not now look, kidding me. There are people with 200,000 miles in their Lotus. I know that exists. Sure. But like most of them, go shop for a Lotus Elise right now. Most of them are under 50,000 miles. The vast majority are under 30. I have 67 on mine. It's like with the F40. Yeah. The lower the miles, the better, the more expensive. Oh, it doesn't have any miles. It's new. Yeah. Evan's going to be like, going to take care of that shortly. <laughs> going on a road trip just because. You, you could be a YouTube star, the world's highest mileage F40. Somebody Here we go. Like For sure. Absolutely. Well, if you've got your own debate, anything close to Evan, anything not close to Evan. <laughs> All over Your the topic place. Tuesdays, Everything. your car conclusions, please email <laughs> us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website, everydaydriver.com. Top right corner, under the About tab is the contact button. Cars are made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without getting to drive and driving cars we love. The folks at Haggerty feel the same way, and that's why they support this show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for the enthusiast vehicle. That can be almost anything, from classic cars to trucks and motorcycles, newer collectibles, and even boats. They protect race vehicles off the track, and they can even insure vehicles on the track for high-performance driving events and track days. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive either the Cayman or the Elise or both on our local track, and it adds a huge peace of mind for us. You can learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everyday. I honestly didn't think we'd go that long. I, I loved the question, Evan. It's, it's because it doesn't have a simple solve. It really doesn't. We can both just talk about it indefinitely, kind of going, huh, but wait, but what about this? It's now one of those about for sure. F40s. If you have an F40 that Evan could drive, please contact wait, us. Wait, wait, please please contact us so we could drive it Well, I mean, first. we'd like to drive we'll it, too. We'll bring Evan with us. That's fine. But can we all come? We'll shoot yeah, a we'll just thing on it. We'll do a thing on the F40. That'd be delightful. We do it with the 959. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Jumping over to questions. So many good ones. Starting off here with uh, Olo Laid Jason Grady asks, what are some ugly cars that drive better than expected? The first generation Porsche Panamera. Yes, that's a, that may be the I mean, beginning and end of that discussion. I, yeah, I don't think they're that ugly. You and I disagree, it's, but yes. I, I love the concept 40911. They definitely solve things with generation two, but Panamera? <laughs> the nowhere oh, to go but up. You could solve things. Panamera? Yeah. Yeah, they are great to drive. I would own one in spite of the fact that I don't find it attractive. Yeah, because they, they're great to drive. Can you work that into a license tag or a bumper sticker? <laughs> <laughs> I don't own this for the looks or Easy. something. Yeah, you exactly. Know. All right. Also, I think the Fiat 500 Abarth. Mm. It's a little wart driving around. It is a little bit. It doesn't look amazing, but then it's so much fun. I hear you. Well, but, but to that point, the Fiesta ST is not a car I would call attractive. Mm, no problem. No, Great to no. drive. I mean, I would still get it in like solar orange. I'm fine with it. Yeah. But it's not a car that just objectively people are like, oh, that's a great looking car. <laughs> yeah, like good job on the stuff. But nah. yet it drives phenomenally well. And I think it's fun looking, but it isn't, I would call attractive. It's noticeable, but not necessarily attractive. <laughs> but those are different things. Those are a few of the top of my head. I mean, there's, you know, the car history is littered with cars. that are Wow, surprisingly good to drive. I don't want it. <laughs> Question from Logan Anderson said, should a one-year-old car start to have rust spots in the paint? Rust spots? What car is car? this? What car is it? You don't tell us. And where are you? Yeah. What, has been, what, have you, what have you or someone done with this car? Like what activities? Because I've never heard of that. One-year-old and one year rust old. spots. So, I mean, I look, one-year-old and issues with the paint, yes, all the time. I hear it all the time. This, this paint sure. wasn't right here. It's orange peeling there. How did this happen? I've heard that like crazy. But a rust spot, that, that really strikes me under as warranty, surprising. should it not? Yes. One-year-old yes. should be under some, some kind of warranty. Pick, pick, you know, drivetrain or whatever. <laughs> not under drivetrain. But still, you could go Something. to somebody and be like, excuse me, one-year-old? Yeah. Ed Hayes says, how do you avoid tunnel vision on long road trips with nothing but straight roads? The secret is looking around. The secret is changing your depth of vision. Look down, not at your phone. <laughs> not at your phone. And after you look down, look back up again. Yes. Look at the instrument panel. Pick a button to focus on. Look up. Make sure there's, you know, everything's still cool. <laughs> look out your side window for a second or two. Look at the sheep and the cows and the whatever. Yeah. Look in your rearview mirror. Study your. I'm not saying you know. I can steer by looking in my rearview mirror. Yeah. And I can keep it. No, don't do that. 
but look around a lot. Keep your eyes moving, but different focal points, Mm -hmm. a close focal point, a far focal point. Because, yeah, the tunnel vision is so easy because you're just zoning in Mm -hmm. and then, oh, yeah, I got to look down and my eyes can't focus for two or three seconds on my speed. (laughs) It's it's looking around. It's you got to poke yourself and deliberately do stuff to get rid of that. It's hard. I know it's hard, but you just you have to be very proactive at it. Quick hat tip to Scott Murdoch. He's one of the writers that's writing for us on our website. If you go to our website and you go to the writings tab, we're doing two, at least two new articles a week. These are car reviews. These are ponderances about being a car enthusiast. There's tons of them. Scott is one of our writers, and he saw the Instagram post I posted today oh, good. of my son's crazy dog <laughs> chasing cars around his uh, Skelectrics track. And, and t- the other thing that's funny about this dog is he will take the cars off the track and spit them out. He's not like take them and attack them. He just wants to stop them. He'll pick them up and then drop them. Scott has asked if that should be called the Ferbergring, and I have to give you a hat tip there, Scott. <laughs> and then I have to also say to Grand Touri Connoisseur, he's thanking me for having a life philosophy that is a combination of owning small sports cars and still having a family. I didn't know this was revolutionary, <laughs> but I am happy to lead that charge. Scott Pettingill says, could we talk a bit about wrapping cars? I'm not sure what particular area, but sure. Wrapping cars starts with you visiting a a local service shop and vetting them out. You want to make sure they've had experience and you want to make sure they're good. And, you know, the stream of cars they've wrapped in the past have turned out because sometimes the wraps themselves can deteriorate. And sometimes the installers themselves are not that good at what they're doing. Yeah, can happen. For it sure. involves money. Doing a full car, depending on the size, can range from three to $5,000. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to be using a 3M product. That's generally speaking, they're, they're making a lot of different colors. There's other companies that make, make various wraps. But you're talking to there, – there's two differences in wrapping cars. One is just the exterior wrap. The other is called a full color change. Okay. Just a wrap means it ends at the hem of the door. When you open the door, it does mm-hmm. not include the threshold or the inside frame of the door, the inside sure. chassis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A full color change is way more expensive and does include all of those things. So there's a big difference in price mm-hmm. there and a big difference in the amount of work because on a normal color change, maybe they'll pull your headlights and maybe the door handles, maybe the mirrors, just to make it smooth up under those components and then reinstall them. Mm-hmm. On a full color change, they're removing a lot of trim bits. They're taking your yes. bumpers off. Yes. They're doing far more work. Tons of stuff's coming out of the to interior. To get a full so get color it, yeah. change. So when you open the trunk, it looks as if the car's been painted because they go all the way as far as you can get that wrap down in there. Mm. Same thing. Well, not too far because of the heat. But uh, same thing with your door uh mm. You know, when you open the door, the, the frame, the yeah, threshold yeah, sure. there, same, yeah. you know, when you open the trunk, all that kind of stuff, they're, they're making sure everything is really perfect and it looks like the car has been painted. Mm-hmm. That costs a lot more. There's a lot more work involved, as yeah. I said. So it also depends on what color you choose. There can be differences in price there. Generally speaking, you look at a three to five year, you know, lasting, mm-hmm. long lasting lifespan. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lifespan there until, you know, they say, well, pull it off. You don't want to do damage to your clear coats. You probably should, you know, pull mm-hmm. it off, let it rest a little bit before you do something else. But the cool thing is it's still an inexpensive way to repersonalize your car and fall in love with your car all over again. And try stuff and have a very unique car. Yeah, they. it also um, ask your installer and ponder your car wash system because if you're a person that drives through a car wash with a lot of brushes, typically those don't work real well on wrapped cars. So mm-hmm. you have to ponder that lifestyle yeah. perspective of it as well. Definitely. Richard Lindsay has a design question. Mm. What is going on with the recent trend he's seen of brake lights or turn signals on the rear bumper? He said the Mini Clubman does it, the Chevy Bolt does it, there's Kias and Hyundais on the rear bumper. Mm. Richard, my understanding is that there is a a lot of this stuff, when the weird stuff happens like this, it has to do with the safety regulations. And my understanding is cars, when they're off the side of the road, they have to be able to have their hazards on. Even when pieces are open, they have to be visible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if your back hatch is open and it took your taillights with it, you no longer can see your hazards. Right. right. So those cars, most of the ones you're talking about, are hatches. And so if you have your rear hatch open but your hazard light's on, the lights have got to be somewhere other than on the doors of the hatch. Right. So this right. is what's causing that design feature. Right. Is it a feature? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, oh, Burl Pettibone says he's been reading a lot of automotive news recently, and journalists keep describing 3,400 or so pound vehicles as lightweight. 
Oh, sorry. Was I laughing? I'm sorry. That was me laughing. <laughs> that, that was a cackle from Todd yes. in the mm-hmm. Lotus over here. Yes. He says, what are they comparing them to? SUVs? I mean, that still seems pretty heavy compared to yes. any vehicle in the past. And absolutely right. He says a 1965 Mustang weighed hundreds of pounds less. And that's not even comparing it to things like the MR2 or the Lotus, like your car or Caymans or yep. whatever. You're absolutely right. My 928 was 3,500 pounds, and I thought that was heavy. It drove light because it was a Porsche, yeah, and it was engineered to drive well, but that was pretty heavy mm-hmm. for that era. That was a heavy GT car. Yeah. I think the Nissan GTR has forever ruined weight of cars mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. irrelevant to most people because mm-hmm. it's a GTR. It can overcome just about anything you throw at it. They can just Great point. Yeah. out-accelerate and out-drive pretty much any other car, but... Still 3,800 pounds. Holy cow, that's a heavy car. Yeah. But yes, honestly, it's because of tech. It's because the proliferation of safety and airbags and more wiring harnesses, increased wiring with all the electronics that are now in our cars. The wiring looms are, you know, far heavier and there's a lot more of them to be installed. Big time, yeah. Have you noticed the A-pillars are not quite as thin and delicate as the 91 Mm -hmm. Acura Integra Coupe? Insane, yeah. They're thick because they've got airbags in them. They're mm-hmm. huge. There's a blind spot there. So Big time. all of that stuff has just made cars heavier. It's not the drivetrain. Engines haven't gotten heavier. I think engines with metallurgy techniques have gotten actually lighter. Mm. That almost doesn't, doesn't matter. matter at this point. <laughs> That's a good point. You've got your heated and cooled seats. Those are expensive and heavy. Uh, here's the thing about it. That 3,400 pounds, here's what's crazy, is that is, I would say, on the lower side of the average car being built. Mm-hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. new car being built. But I've said it before. People have asked me before. I really feel like if you want to talk about a lightweight car, you need to be talking about 3,000 pounds or lighter. I look, it's, it's a blurred line. There's plenty of cars that are 3,200 and I would still classify it as lightweight because of what it is. Okay. Sure. But 3,400 is like the bottom of the average car. And I feel like most cars are hanging out at that, like 37 to 4,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. And that's, wildly heavy. That's twice as heavy as my Lotus Elise. Not that that is the standard by any means, but the problem with weight, and I've talked about this before, the problem with weight is weight adds to distance as for you as a driver. You don't feel as involved because there's so much more weight around you. I'll give you the great example. I have a Lotus Elise, I have a 5,200 pound Volkswagen Phaeton. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about the Phaeton is the fact that it's not really bothering you with the fact that you're driving. <laughs> you're just wonderfully insulated. You get up to freeway speeds and it just feels like I could do this until the earth stops turning. <laughs> okay. 10 miles now and the Lotus is like, pay attention to me. Yeah, so this yeah. is the difference. You start to get more isolated, which can be luxurious, but it isn't involving. All right. Last question for me. It's low hanging fruit from more than J23. I can't not answer this question. Okay. Have we driven any 992 Generation 911? As a matter of fact, we have at the Porsche Driving Experience Atlanta. We didn't spend nearly enough time with the car. True. true it was true. a quick episode, but that is part of season six. So you can find that on Amazon right now. He's contemplating picking up a new but outgoing 9914S at a steep discount versus hmm. the new 992 at full retail. I see it. Plants drive the snot out of either. And there's improvements on paper with the 992, but he says other things that concern him, like door handles and the shifter, the you know the Norelco shaver thing that yeah. is the shifter, yeah. and you know he generally likes the 991 styling better. How would you compare the driving experience between the two? Is it worth the extra money? Ooh. There's going to be little differences, and there's tech upgrades like the rain sensor feature in the 992. Yes. Is a yes. good example. I love the interior of the 991. I actually think I like it. I like the door handles. They're sculpture. Mm. They're not as much in the 992. <laughs> and no, as far as a driving experience, no, I do not think it's worth the extra money. I love the 992. I want one. I don't think it's worth the extra money. Go get yourself a gorgeous 991 and drive the snot out of it. I like that, especially if here's the thing, Worthen, especially if, if you already are saying you prefer the 991. I think that is, the big, that is the big deciding factor here because the interiors have changed so much. They've jumped so far into tech with the 992. Mm-hmm. And I will say that's where it has been, air quotes now, improved, is do you want the new interior tech and do you want things like that water feature that is actually sensing the amount of water on the road for the trash control system? We've Super cool. It. it is phenomenal. There is definite, definite changes in the Porsche trash control and stability management. There's, it's been improved for sure. Dramatically, yes. But if you prefer the look, the interior, and all that, save the money, get the 991, be happy. Oh, yeah. I think that's an easy, easy And solve. then do the same when the 992s are used and get that. Maybe. And then maybe. 
rinse, repeat. There's so many good questions here. We're not going to cover a lot of them. Oh, man. I, oh, you know what? I'm going to cover this one because I'm thinking dogs because of the posting today. Somebody asked asked us, Baloo240 said, any good stories about your dogs and cars? <laughs> when my – I have a dog that is almost – what is she? 13, 14? She's old. Yeah. She's, she's old. She's old. She's almost 14, actually. And so um, when she was younger and a little more spry, <laughs> we were living in Los Angeles, and I had my 300ZX. Yeah. And I would often go for hikes with her up Los Angeles Crest. Oh, yeah, right. the two. Right. She would sit, as dogs sit, she would sit, so she's standing on her front paws and sitting on her back, in the passenger seat. And when we would go up Highway 2, if you've ever driven that in Los Angeles, it is windy. We'd go up Highway 2, she would lean into corners mm. the whole way up. And then we'd get out of the car, we'd go on a hike, we'd get back in, she'd lean in the corners all the way so up. So cool. I always loved that. So cool. Guys, thanks so much for your questions. Really appreciate it. Keep asking. Send us your debates. As I say, your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions. Looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>